0: What's happening now?
1: Ah, uh, the bride is coming down the aisle. Congregation may be seated.
2: Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to celebrate the wedding episode of Surprisingly Awesome from Gimlet Media.
3: Who are you guys? Hi, I'm Sue Smith.
2: And I'm Austin Rodrigues.
3: You're still Sue Smith? I'm a liberated woman.
2: And I am your officiant, Rachel Ward. And this week, we're going to Sue and Austin's wedding. If you didn't hear the episode before this one, you might want to go back and listen so you can get to know our bride and groom. On the last episode, we followed them as they planned for their wedding, and we left off just as they were hitting a big bump.
0: Hey guys, I thought you might want to know that I got in a bike uh, spill last night. I like hit a rock on my way up the Williamsburg Bridge and landed on my handlebars, and the pointy end jabbed into my like pelvis, and it was hurt a lot. Austin was
2: worried he might be too hurt to do all the things that he wanted to do on his wedding day. But he was being really stubborn about getting help until...
0: Via the encouragement of my wife and my uh, sketch team, Nipsey, UCB Theaters, Mondays, 9.30, Vape Life, they told me I had to go to the doctor because I I went to rehearsal the day after the bike accident and I was like pale and like lethargic and like in a lot of pain so I, I went to the doctor, and he's like, there's no organs there. It's just a really bad bruise, and you'll be fine, uh, and sent me on my way.
3: I was very scared. I made him go to urgent care.
2: It sounds kind of like his improv team made him go to urgent care.
3: Yeah, he probably takes more stock in that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was on both of your urgings.
2: So with Austin mostly all healed up, the show goes on. And on our show today, we are going to be looking at the origins of what we consider the modern, secular American wedding. We're going to look at wedding traditions, ones that Sue and Austin participated in, and ones that they passed on. Things like walking down the aisle, wearing a garter, and that famous old line about something borrowed and something blue. There's a lot to unpack here because it turns out that wedding traditions, they don't come from one place. They're a hodgepodge of things from... All different places, all different times, all different social practices. So throughout this episode, we're going to be stepping back to ancient Greece, to the Middle Ages, to 19th century America to understand what the weddings of yore have to do with the weddings of today. And to help with that, we're going to bring some experts to Sue and Austin's wedding, specifically a classical archaeologist and two historians. And also I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our queer listeners. We got your emails. And to make it clear for everyone, these traditions are used in lots of weddings, not just straight ones. But for now, let's pick up where we left off, right before Sue and Austin's wedding. We are heading up to the
3: venue very early tomorrow morning. Um... And I'm feeling so relaxed, actually, and like calm and excited. I can't wait to see everybody and like have bonfires and stay in tents and see everyone I love. And I think it's going
2: to be great. Sure, it will be.
0: Rehearsal was a <laughs> shit show.
2: Yeah, tell me about that.
0: I've never been to a wedding rehearsal that wasn't a shit show though, so no, I feel okay.
3: Can you imagine like ten comedians and performers trying to all make a wedding happen? And tell, they were all trying to, like, tell the pastor what to do. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, we're so used to directing our shows. Our own
3: shows. And then everyone had an opinion. I was like, guys, shut up.
2: A lot of Sue and Austin's wedding party came up to camp the night before, making a long weekend of it. And you may think this is really traditional, a wedding that basically takes up a whole weekend. Rehearsal dinner, wedding day, maybe day after brunch. And you may have complained about it, all the schlepping and having to book multiple nights in a hotel. But if you think that weddings go on for too long now, you would have hated the Middle Ages.
4: Oh, yeah. The average wedding, sort of the process of getting married, can take weeks, if not months, in the Middle Ages, if you want to be super formal about it.
2: This is Dr. Corinne Wieben, a professor of medieval history at the University of Northern Colorado. Talking to her made us realize that weddings have changed a lot over human history and that each time they took on a new form, it was because the meaning of marriage had changed. In the Middle Ages, that form was a wedding that took forever because they were basically in contract negotiations. But, of course, you didn't have to be at that wedding for those weeks and weeks that it took to broker the deal.
4: It's more like a business merger than like a ceremony in the way that we think about it now. Um, so it requires a lot of negotiation. And you want lots of time to be able to kind of think about this and think about what you're doing.
2: Medieval weddings were different than modern weddings in a lot of ways. But the biggest way in which they were different than Sue and Austin's is that they were primarily about transferring wealth. Whereas Sue and Austin's wedding, sometimes it feels like it's primarily about destroying wealth. And transferring candles.
3: What are you carrying? A huge box of candles because it's like I try to organize everything, but it somehow is disorganized.
2: (laughs) It's the morning of their wedding. Sue and Austin get up to go to work in the reception hall, which in this case is a barn because their wedding is taking place on a farm. The barn is beautiful. It has big chandeliers and sparkly lights strung across the rafters. But it is a barn on a farm, so there's a litter of barn cats underfoot everywhere, and next to the barn is a pen full of goats and turkeys and roosters. Converting a barn into a party is a big task. And then I just need to know um, the seating chart. I have it right here. Oh, okay.
0: So I can do this. I can set up the chairs.
2: Okay. Okay, so we'll do it together. You can try this okay, on that cool. table. Sue and Austin are having 135 guests. The average, according to industry data, is 126. So pretty good size for a party. Okay. All right, so we'll set up the chairs. And then... The stress in the barn is palpable. Sue and the bridesmaids pin up decorations. They arrange candles and linens. Austin has the seating chart in one hand, and he's using the other hand to unfold chairs, slide them up against the table, over and over again. Checks the chart, slaps down a chair. Checks the chart, slaps down a chair.
3: He's so stressed.
2: He's never like that. He's always really calm. What do you think's going on? For him, he, he's, he wants everyone to have a good time. His stress levels are rising. But Sue's? Are dropping.
3: There was a point where I had to um, stop setting up and just go and get my makeup done and just let go and let God.
2: Sue escapes the stress of the barn and heads into the farmhouse next door. She takes a seat in a director's chair facing a set of glass doors that look out onto the barn. She is calm. You look like sort of like a queen looking over your dominion right now.
3: I don't have to, I'm good. I my to subjects right of the barn. <laughs>
2: mood here is giddy as bridesmaids with curlers in the hair lounge around the kitchen snacking on zucchini bread and joking.
4: That, that cat sat on my face at 4.30 in the morning. It was like humping my face. You guys are married enough. We're married.
3: I guess in cat world, if you rub your butthole on someone's face,
5: <laughs>
2: then they're your wife. <laughs> they're your wife. <laughs> Anna, this isn't about you. <laughs> The bridal party is in a silly mood, but Sue's mother, Ingrid, is a little more contemplative. Sue, what are you looking forward to right now? Um, I
5: don't know
2: the answer to that. What? Wait, Lee, Ingrid, you know the answer to that? That's the I think answer. I do.
5: What
2: is it? Well, I can't say it out loud. Oh, good. Okay, you just whisper it into the microphone and then we'll check it with Sue. When Austin sees her first, she wants to make him cry. Sue, what are you most looking forward to?
3: Um, Looking hot in my dress and shoes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? I think you guys had effectively the same answer. She
3: said making Austin cry (laughs) when
4: he sees you.
2: Oh yeah, Austin's going to be crying the most. Sue and her mother talked about weddings a few weeks before the big day, but not about what traditions Ingrid is passing down to Sue, because Ingrid didn't have a big traditional wedding when she married Sue's father. It was much simpler. A district justice married them with rings they'd stopped off at Kmart to buy right before.
5: So it was just the two of you? Just the two of us, just your dad and myself. And then after we got married, uh, we did go over to Lenny and Nancy uh were some friends of ours. So Lenny we were... and Nancy, I've never heard of them. <laughs> Who, well, poor Lenny I mean, and Nancy. <laughs> we lost track of them when we when we moved away from Harrisburg. Right.
3: Why did you guys decide to get married? Well, as you know,
5: I'm Canadian. <laughs> it was a green card marriage. I didn't know that. Oh. Necessarily, not necessarily. I wouldn't <laughs> never have gotten married just for that reason. I mean there was a lot of love involved too. But it just made things easier.
2: Ingrid's wedding to Sue's dad might not have been that traditional, but there are traditions that she'd like for Sue to take part in. She pulls out a small box covered in writing in German. What what is this? My grandmother's garter. Oh my god,
4: can you see
2: it? Yeah. But what does it say in German? Well,
5: uh, the interpretation, I'm not real sure of. Something about, she wrote this after 25 years, and she was talking about how marriage has changed over the years. So your your mother used this? My mother. They will be married 65 years next month.
2: And so why do we have it here right now? Because initially Sue said she was going to wear it. It's something borrowed and blue. And old. So what I'm referring to is that old rhyme about what a bride should wear. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. People tell brides they're supposed to wear one of each of those things for luck. The origins of this saying are tough to pin down. The earliest published version of this that we could find is in a book called Folklore of Women by T.F. Thistleton Dyer. T.F. Thistleton Dyer cites it as something that brides said and did in 1906. That tradition of trying to have something from each of those categories, old, new, borrowed, blue, has continued since then. And as weddings became more commercial, people have found a way to cash in on the saying. In the 1950s, that interest in following that custom and the interest in having a garter, like the one Sue's grandmother wore, they came together. And many brides wore a blue garter. The customs spawned a niche industry of companies selling garters, and in 1952, the garter industry sold $175,000 worth of wedding garters. But Sue will be using $0 worth of wedding garters. She's not doing it. She
5: told me she changed her mind about the garter thing, but I brought it anyway, so she may not wear it. Did you wear it? My, 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 no. I See, that's it. I didn't wear it. And she was betrothing it to me, which I never got the chance to wear it. And we found it um, just recently, actually. The mother has Alzheimer's, and we were going through her stuff, and I thought Sue might want to wear it.
2: Oh, Ingrid. (laughs) Weddings are emotional. It's a time of transition, and it's a kind of rite of passage. What did being a bride mean to you?
3: I mean, it was nice to celebrate the marriage and celebrate the love, but I did feel like any time I encountered a woman that I didn't really know that well, I could instantly bond with her about this wedding thing. And we would just, like, freak out and bride out about it. Um, So it gives you that connection to other women, which is cool. Um, But I would hope that there are other roles out there for women than bride, wife, mother
0: really hard to find the line of femininity and getting married.
3: Yeah, exactly. Feminist.
0: Feministity.
3: Isosity.
0: Not femininity.
3: Feministing.
2: What Sue is reacting to is that a lot of wedding traditions when you peel back their face can seem sexist. Think about the garter toss. The groom reaches up under the bride's skirt in front of everyone and slingshots the garter into a crowd of male wedding guests. What this actually symbolizes is proving that the marriage has been consummated, proving that the bride was pure, that the groom is a stud. And there are variations on this practice.
0: I had to do it once when I was a kid. No! Say I was like, I don't know, 12 to 15 off of like a 30-year-old woman. Because it's this whole thing of like if you go over the knee or not. You're like a bad boy if you go over the knee.
2: Did you go over the knee?
0: I'm sure I did. I'm sure you did. <laughs>
2: The garter toss is a holdover from this whole category of rituals that don't really happen anymore. Bedding rituals. This is Dr. Vicki Howard at the University of
1: Essex. They are things like sort of hazing the couple who are going to be sleeping together for the first time on their wedding night. You know, accompanying them to the bed, teasing them, having sort of a communal party in the bedroom around the people, around the couple. The couple's
2: first night together is not a private affair. During the Middle Ages, a witness to that first night, was necessary to make a marriage official. The tamer version of this practice that eventually developed was for a bride to toss a garter out the window to say, look, leave us alone, we did it. In the late 19th century, tossing the garter became ceremonial. But no one's getting their garter tossed just yet, metaphorically. Or actually, back at the farmhouse, the bridesmaids have gone from giddy to full-on squee as Sue appears in her dress for the first time.
3: Pretty girl. Like, so. so pretty. Here you go. Oh my god, the
4: ceremony starts in oh, shut
0: shut up. Up. For the
2: groomsman, the mood is more methodical.
0: Vows, gum, sunglasses, phone for pictures. Got my watch, got my pocket square. I think I'm good.
2: More somber. All
0: right, yeah. let's do it. Okay, right? do, yeah. we, do we do anything? You want pep talk? <laughs> no, I'm alright. Look at me. Do you want a pep talk? I'm good. Do you need one? No, I'm okay. Okay, let's roll. Let's roll. A pep pep talk? A little pep talk. I guess I'm going to go up there and get married. Yeah, I have to go up and get
2: married.
0: Uh, This seems right, right?
2: Right. After the break. Welcome back to Surprisingly Awesome from Gimlet Media. I'm Rachel Ward. This week, we're guests at the wedding of Sue Smith and Austin Rodriguez. It's their big day. We're at the top of a hill on a farm in rural upstate New York, and the view is beautiful. There's several rows of church pews facing an arbor, and it's covered with sunflowers. Beyond that, as far as you can see, it's hills and farms and forests, and the leaves on the trees are in full disagreement about whether or not this moment is summer or fall.
0: I was so nervous. I, I must have asked 20 people, am I supposed to go up there? Am I supposed to like hang here and say hi to the guests? I had no idea what to do. And everybody's kind of like, just do whatever you want. And so I eventually went up to like stand at the altar. Um, and that was when I started to get really nervous. And then like they brought my, my grandparents came up in the van and like that was when I lost it. It was like when my, seeing my grandmother like made the trip out there and everything. And I was just like doing this with my hands, like banging my fist into my hand, trying to like look casual and cool when I was really like the opposite of that.
2: While Austin tried to look cool, the DJ, his friend DK, queued up the music.
1: I'm looking for the bridal party. I thought somebody was gonna be giving me a thumbs up.
2: Sharon, the venue owner, called down the hill on a walkie-talkie. Thumbs up, ready to go? Yeah, okay, let's get everybody in their places.
3: I could see him from the distance, but I couldn't really see him until I started walking down the aisle.
0: Yeah, I caught a glimpse of her walking from the barn, um, but then I kind of turned away because I didn't want to see her again until, like, she did the loop around the corner walking down the aisle.
2: Sue, what did you think when you saw him? I thought he looked good. I liked all his stuff.
3: And, uh, yeah, I thought he looked nervous. It was cute.
0: Until you came around, and then when you came around... The corner, it was oddly calming and not uh, not overwhelming.
3: Yeah, I felt more calm when I saw you and I was, like, standing up there with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was like no one else was around.
2: And, by the way, Austin did cry when he saw Sue in her dress.
3: But it was cool to come around the corner and see everyone you love just, like... Because I hadn't seen a lot of them until then. And I was like, oh my God,
0: that's crazy. That's what you pay for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you do all the planning and everything for is that moment right there.
2: Priceless. And timeless. Walking down the aisle connects to a long tradition of weddings as processions. Dr. Lynn Foxhall, a classical archaeologist at University of Liverpool, says far back into history, before Christianity, before the Roman Empire, the Greeks used wedding processions, walking from one family home to another, to show that a couple was getting married.
6: It's the woman passing into the husband's house. That's the minute they're married.
2: Walking down the aisle, processing down the aisle, is our modern connection to that ancient practice.
6: The most important bit of the wedding is actually the procession. Certainly in the ancient Greek world, you go from the bride's house to the groom's house, and you have lots of singing and dancing and clothes and flowers and all of the things you would expect.
2: The same as today. Dress up in fine clothes, have a procession. But one pretty big difference.
6: In antiquity, births and marriages and deaths were all really family affairs. They were not something that the state got involved in. And of course, there was no overarching church to manage them either. That's a really different way of looking
2: at a wedding. In antiquity, religion wasn't really present at weddings. Getting married was a family matter, not a state or church matter. Also, in ancient Greece, there wasn't a church as we think of it now. Sure, people might get married in a sanctuary for their favorite god or goddess, but it wasn't until pretty long into the life of Christianity, the 13th century, that a church service began to be a critical part of a wedding. Nowadays we think of a wedding in a religious space as traditional and weddings on hills on a farm as non-traditional. And we think of the past as a more religious time. But Dr. Vicki Howard at the University of Essex says that even in early American weddings, a wedding in a church wasn't guaranteed.
1: You know, the idea of, you having a, of a church wedding is something that becomes a middle-class ideal in the um, early to mid-19th century before the 19th century, you may not even be able to have a minister because there may not be one in your area, and you might just cohabitate or have common law marriage.
2: It wasn't until the 19th century that Americans started to think of a church wedding as a default wedding. It was just impractical to have a wedding in a church all the time. Maybe you didn't live near a church, or your church didn't have a full time preacher. So you might just move in together and start telling people, We're married no ceremony, do not cross-go, do not collect $200 worth of pots and pans from Bed Bath & Beyond. But despite the secular nature of Sue and Austin's wedding, the order of service they're using, that is heavily influenced by a Christian service. It's got an opening prayer, readings, some sort of message, some singing.
0: As Sue and Smith make their promises to each other today, let us enter into this
2: celebration confident that God is present with us. Even when your pastor gets your names wrong, that's Sue and Austin, Pastor Jeff. But that little mess up primed the guests to laugh as friends and family rose from the pews to deliver readings. Love is
5: patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. A soulmate is someone who has locks that fit our keys and keys to fit our locks. I will give you everything. Baby, love me. Lights out. Beyoncé.
2: <laughs> and then, on the windy hill, Sue and Austin delivered their vows, which they wrote themselves.
3: Austin, you're the warmest and most generous person I've ever met, and also, like, really tough like a bear or a wolf. Thank you.
5: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I will love puns the way that you love puns, <laughs> now that we're happily meowied.
0: Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Workshop. I promise to always have a one-way ticket to snuggle down when we go to bed at night. I promise to always, always support you and have your back. I vow to celebrate your many, many wins and pick you up after any losses. I promise to never have a man bun. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you forever,
1: Susan.
2: Writing your own vows feels really modern, like a deviation from tradition that makes a ceremony more personalized, more casual, more American. But according to Dr. Corinne Wieben at the University of Northern Colorado,
4: Medieval marriage could be shockingly informal as long as you agree in the present tense to be married to each other, you are married. Um, without the presence of witnesses, without the presence of officials.
2: Medieval people were writing their own vows way before Sue and Austin crafted their first pun.
4: It's just a person saying, uh, I, in this present moment, consent to take you as my spouse. Uh, And as long as two people say that to each other, that is considered to be a legally binding marriage.
2: It didn't matter where you got married or who in front of. If you declared to each other, I will marry you, you were married. And there's another medieval tradition that we observe today.
4: The exchange of rings is a really common tradition throughout medieval Europe. uh, And it's one of the few ways in which people can sort of publicly perform a wedding. Wedding rings are an extremely medieval thing. So... If you are uh, a couple in the Middle Ages and weddings are this sort of informal private thing, um, one of the things you can do as a public ceremony to kind of cement the idea of your marriage in the minds of your family and the community is to exchange rings.
0: It gives me great pleasure to introduce
5: for the very first time Sue and Austin as husband and
2: my
0: wife. (laughs) I feel like when the pastor, is that what we call it, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the pastor said my wife, it was like cathartic for me and that I don't feel like I have to say my wife anymore. Right. That was like my last my wife. Like, I don't need to say that because anymore.
3: Because it's like God said it.
2: God said it.
0: I yeah. mean, who? that's top heightening.
3: You can't heighten any further. No, yeah.
2: no, no, no the public declaration by Pastor Jeff and the public exchange of vows, this is what modern American weddings look like now. It's a really different idea than a wedding being a contract negotiation, a business deal to unite two families or consolidate property. Do you guys feel like that's your marriage? No. no
0: we don't have anything.
2: Neither of us married up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it, would be, it would have been nice if one of us Money. The
0: only way that we can relate to that, I would say, is that we are in the same careers, so yeah. we can support each other.
3: We are a comedic power couple.
0: Now we are a comedic power couple. Yeah. Uh, whereas before we were just comedic lonely people. people. Yeah. Uh, so weirdos? Our, our powers have combined.
1: To Sue
2: and Austin, a marriage... Is much more than the business deal that it would have been in the Middle Ages. It's about becoming partners. So the form of their wedding matches that. It's a celebration of their partnership. And just like millions of weddings before theirs, Sue and Austin's service ends with a song, and they process out. What was the moment where, like, the sort of physical action or, like, thing that happened where you guys felt married?
0: You, like, leave the ceremony, and that's, like, a strange kind of feeling. Yeah, okay, so we had a sing-along for when we left, when we walked down the aisle, and then we sang one chorus of the song and kind of stayed there and then walked away during the chorus. And um, it felt like... Now it's just the two of us while everybody else is back there singing. So I guess that was kind of like a moment where it was like, wow, now it's, this is the first time we're together alone and married.
3: Yeah, definitely. Let's walk towards our future.
5: Dinner will be served very soon. But right now, I would like to introduce. For the very first time, our bride and groom, Mr. and Mrs. Austin Rodriguez and Sue Smith.
0: I don't think this dinner is
2: going to end in the hour that they thought it was going to. No. Does it ever?
3: (laughs) It's ongoing. (laughs) All right, guys, grab your plates. Make your way to the buffet. Enjoy. Thank
5: you.
2: In our research, we found that people have always assumed you would feed them at a wedding or throw a party for them once you got married. And there's a long tradition from the Renaissance to the American frontier of people getting back at you if you didn't. It's called a chivalry or a skimmington or rough music. Dr. Vicki Howard from University of Essex says if you didn't come through with a party, the community would just harass you until you did.
1: If a couple was seen as somehow having broken a rule, like not having provided a big party for the community or not having invited uh, the town into the celebration, people in the community might go to them on their wedding night and throw rocks at their house or play loud music or somehow rough them up a little bit in kind of a good humored way.
2: There's no need for a shivery at Sue and Austin's wedding. They are clearly providing a party for their community. So
1: happy. So happy.
3: Um, everybody's having so much fun and blending well and dancing, if you can believe that. I've never seen so much dancing at a wedding before, and it's awesome. Speaking of which, I have to dance to the song. Okay? Fine.
2: <laughs> this wedding is shivery proof Even the kids of the farm's owner agree. But
3: well, right now, I've never seen everybody get out of their seat and dance at this time. Eight o'clock I've never
2: seen that. You know I
3: think that people don't aren't very <laughs> self-conscious our friends and they'll just do whatever and I really like that about them.
0: Yeah. yeah we picked the good crew.
3: Good crew. And it was and it, it was good because it provided an environment where I didn't feel self-conscious and I was like, no, let's
2: just dance whatever. Guests having a ton of fun, that's the payoff. This is exactly what Sue and Austin wanted. And it's a big win for DK, the friend who's DJing.
5: Playlist is killer. Uh, the biz- biggest success of the night is it's 10.24, and the shuttle, the last shuttle bus was supposed to leave at 10.15, and he's not even here, because I offered him $50 to, to be late. And dance floor is still going good, party's still good. I lost my voice from from yelling and singing and dancing.
0: Ugh, the energy felt so good. Great energy. No matter how much money you have, you can't buy the energy of your wedding. Having a room full of people that are just gelling well together. And
3: everybody is having fun and having a good time and like not rolling their eyes. What's the the key factor to get that? You got to really love each other. <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's, that's a big one for sure. you got to really be in love. Yeah, I think people feed off your energy as a couple. The whole thing is
2: worthy of ancient Greece.
6: There was no register of marriages anywhere in the ancient world, pretty much. So you couldn't go into ancient Athens or ancient Rome and find a registry of marriages because it just didn't exist. As far as the state was concerned, a marriage was a private business because it was a contract between two families.
2: This is Dr. Lynn Foxhall again. She says that in ancient Greece and Rome, weddings were big as a means of communicating citizenship. Because in ancient Greece, you could only be a citizen if your parents were citizens. But because the state didn't keep track of marriages, you had to rely on the community to remember that their marriage had happened. Now
6: one good way of making sure that everybody knows your parents are really married and you're not just some dodgy person who, you know, fell off the back of a truck somewhere is to have a really big celebration that that people see happening before their eyes because then they can testify that you are really married.
2: So to broadcast, "Hey, Two citizens getting married over here. You have the biggest wedding to do that you can muster. That way, 30 years later, when your kids need to prove to the world that they were citizens, they could say, no, 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 no. I'm Alexandros and Isadora's kid. You know them. They're citizens. You went to their wedding.
0: Oh, like, well, would would the guests say that they remembered being there?
3: Absolutely. Oh,
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah, I think so.
3: I mean, there were kittens.
0: If you wanted a kitten, look down at your feet.
3: There's a kitten. There's
0: a kitten. You pick it up, pet Pet it. Pet it. Throw it. Bye, kid. Bye. There was goats getting their uh, heads stuck in fences. Like, how are you not going to remember that? Yeah. Bonfires and s'mores. Pulled pork sliders. The Greeks (laughs) and Romans will be talking about our wedding.
2: Eventually, the shuttle bus, an off-duty yellow school bus, does come. And the guests climb aboard and roll away.
4: So,
3: the last crew. I was going to the hotel, flopped on the shuttle, so now the only people left are the people that are staying here. And everyone just gathered in a circle, and then Sue and Austin danced in the middle and kissed, and it was really sweet, and they love each other so much. Oh, the DJ needs to play one more song right now.
2: (laughs) And then the last song played, and outside at the fire pit, Sue and Austin debrief on how it
0: went.
3: Everyone had fun, and a lot of people who go to a lot of weddings were like, this is the best wedding I've ever been to.
0: Best day of my life. I'm excited to wear this ring. I'm a different man now. I am happy to be married and have this ring. And it's an honor to be married to such a wonderful woman as I am. And, uh, yeah, I didn't used to be the kind of guy I wanted to be married. Now I am. So you never know. Any guys out there listening, you never know.
2: And then they jumped into a golf cart. All right. All right. Thank you. There
3: you go. Thank you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh no <laughs> bye <laughs>
2: Our theme music is by Nicholas Bertel, and our ad music is by Bill Buildings. We were edited this week by Annie Rostrasser and produced by Christine Driscoll, Elizabeth Kulis, and Ricky Nabetsky. Sylvie Douglas and Nick Fountainfield produced at the wedding. Thank you to Sue and Austin's friends and family for letting us ask so many questions and bother you during the whole wedding. Thanks to Jorge Just, and sorry, we forgot to thank you last time. And to our beloved mix engineer, Andrew Dunn. Andrew Dunn mixed this episode. He always mixes our episodes, and we have not been great about remembering to tell you that. Additional production assistance came from Jacob Cruz, Emily Kennedy, Melanie Cruvellis, Sarah Melton, and Sarah Stoddard. Thank you to Karen Kleber-Hirsch, Gail Struggy, Patrick O'Neill, Jennifer Galman, and Sharon Bustani. And thank you so much to everyone who invited us to your weddings. We'll be reaching out to you shortly with a wedding gift. Quick production note from the Surprisingly Awesome team. We're going to be taking a hiatus. This is our last episode before the break. But stay subscribed for fun treats and surprises along the way. You can tweet at us at surprisingshow, email us at surprisinglyawesome@gimletmedia.com, at gimletmedia.com, and our Tumblr is truesharkattackstories.tumblr.com. Surprisingly Awesome is a production of Gimlet Media.
3: Did you hear about our mini moon? Though we went on like a mini honeymoon afterwards, um, and all we did was a 500 piece puzzle and eight bagels, and it was great. Where where did you go?
2: Uh,
0: Long Beach Island, New Jersey. You know, it was the puzzle was
3: amazing. Like it was exactly what we needed. What was the image?
0: Just an old couple on the beach. (laughs) <laughs> just
3: a watercolor yeah like 500 pieces nothing special it wasn't a
0: Thomas Kincaid, but it was similar no
3: it was no Kincaid. no really experienced married life on that yeah trip yeah we really did yeah